It's like to the movies. Whoa. It's like to the movies. Whoa. 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 Hey guy, do do an acapella version of "Shipping Up to Boston" by Dropkick Murphys, <laughs> or uh, maybe something like "Welcome to Late to the Movies." I'm Ben Holm. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots every week. We pick a movie that either I or guest hadn't seen before, but really should have by now. This week, we're doing the next installment in Best Picture Winner Month in honor of the Oscars happening on March 27th. This week, the movie is. 2006's winner, which of course was announced in 2007 because, this, you know, it's hard to say a year. I think it's the 79th, so we'll say the 79th okay. Oscars. Uh, the winner that year, The Departed. Um, so yeah, I'm the guy that does the podcast. These must be the other guys. That's Ooh, from me? the movie. Oh. oh. Sorry, I should have done it more like Mark Wahlberg. We don't know as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a line in the movie. You just I, yeah, watch the movie. I, yeah, I don't have a memory. <sighs> it I'm, wasn't like a podcast. I'm the I'm, I'm the guy who does his job. You must no. be the other guy. That, that wasn't uh, even like you. a main line. I feel That's like. a great line. I remember the line. I remember the line. That's a great line. Yeah, I mean, what now that you say it, I'm like, okay. But it's not something I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to remember that one tomorrow. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have some varied opinions on this one. <laughs> anyway, I'm the guy who does the podcast. These must be the other guys. By which I mean my guest this week, left to right, it's Pat. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi, Energy. I love it. Robbie. What up, kid? All right. And <laughs> Corey. Hey, it's Corey. Uh, everyone coming back. This is only Pat's second episode after Die Hard, but I'm hoping a little bit of that magic will come back again because that is by far our most listened to episode. Hell yeah. So good job, Pat. You uh, you really got out on the streets. You spread the word, <laughs> made sure everyone tuned in, and I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to that happening yeah, again. Yeah, call my boys in Hollywood. That's right. <laughs> got, them all, got them all ringing the phones. It's great. Before we start talking about the movie, though... Let's talk about what you guys have been watching. Have you guys seen anything fun recently? I have. I uh, binged The Good Place, and it was fantastic. It's nice. highly awarded, highly nominated, and uh, I think it was a fantastic show. So I, I can't recommend that highly enough. Nice. I, I love The Good Place. Oh, good. We'll I, talk about that later. Cool. <laughs> I have only watched The Departed and YouTube. Nice. A little bit of anime, too. Okay, cool. Classic. Yeah. Pat? Uh, Chrissy and I just finish catching up on the Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Oh, nice. We haven't seen, like, it just just started releasing the last season, so we haven't seen any of that yet, but we just finished season five not too long ago, and it's fantastic if anyone hasn't seen Peaky Blinders. I've never gotten into it, but I really like Killian Murphy. He's, he's fucking awesome. He's, he's a badass he's so on that good. show. I didn't like the name, so I never watched it. Hmm. It's a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the name like, is that based, dumb. It's I don't based know on about. a real gang, so it's not like oh. this made-up name that they came up they, with. They were called the Peaky Blinders? Yeah. This is not like a like a, a drama, of like a, like a high school drama show? No. <laughs> I have no idea what this is about. I was, I was like, Peaky Blinders? Musical? It sounds like the oh, follow-up like... to Mean Girls, which I would watch. <laughs> I can't remember the decade, but it's either... 
late 1800s or early 1900s and it's about like a gang in um england of irish descent and oh uh, did they do they explain what peaky blinders means is that like an actual it's the name of their gang it's the okay. uk you know mm-hmm. i had peaky blinders Man, and the gang is based yeah, off an of accent. a real life gang mm. um i think a lot of the characters are based on real life people huh. it's super good it's only six episodes a season so it's a super easy watch um yeah, it's really critically acclaimed, and the second to last season was fantastic. So I'm excited to see what happens in the last season. So um, a gang of Irish descent in a in a different country besides Ireland assimilating. Um, that's like, there must be another movie like that. I don't know. Let's talk about that. the Departed. Yeah, I don't know. I'll never. <laughs> what watch about it. you, Ben? JK, what you been JK. Uh, so I've been watching the music video for the Macarena. I've watched it like eight times this week. You guys ever read the lyrics to the Macarena? No, but I'm going to. I don't think to. I've ever understood the lyrics of the Macarena. Well, the part hey, that's in... Macarena. That part, yeah. The part that's in English is... The first verse is a girl saying, like, um, when I dance, they call me Macarena. Okay. And basically all the boys want to dance up on her, but they can't have her. But then okay. she says, but if they're good at dancing, okay, maybe. And then the second verse after the first chorus, which is the only part of the Macarena people remember, in case you're young... Uh, Late 1996, early 1997, there was this international dance craze called the Macarena. If you've gone to a wedding, you've done it recently. (laughs) Um, And then the second verse, she introduces the fact that she has a boyfriend and refers to him as the boy that's whose name is Vitorino, which is such like a detached way to refer to your boyfriend. Then she says she fucking hates this guy. Can't stand him. When he was out of town, she had a threesome with his friends. Hey Macarena. Hey Macarena. Hey. I danced to that in elementary school. I'm assuming it was an edited version, but there's what? only two verses. Is that in English? <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. I didn't even know there was verses. She says, Don't worry about my boyfriend, the boy whose name is Vitorino. Like, I don't even know this guy. Apparently, this is his name. Um, I didn't want him, couldn't stand him. So I, and then she trails off laughing. And then there's a spoken word verse. That she says, what was I supposed to do? He was out of town and his two friends were so fine. And then it goes back to the chorus. It's like, I don't hey, fucking remember that. Who sings that song? Uh, just any some, other it's a one hit wonder. Okay. Wow. But I mean. It, it's a wonder, all right. Famously, that song came out in like 93 and then it pops off in 96. And imagine if you're Vitorino and you didn't know for like those three or four years until it became the biggest song in the world. He got real life. Scotty doesn't know it. I just, you know, and he's famous. He's it. famous now, though, so he can't be upset. Apparently not. I didn't remember that part of the yeah, song. I don't, I, it's the worst of all worlds for our boy Vitorino. But aside from that, because I'll probably cut all that out. Uh, <laughs> Wait, no, that needs to go in there. The, the, the people need to hear Vitorino. <laughs> I know that guy's got that's quality content you can't find anywhere. Who else is talking about Macarena right now? And I had no idea. That's no a good one. trivia fact. Thank it's like you. a ring around the rosy situation. But I, n- I never knew that about the Macarena. Yeah. I it's a r- Macarena actually about the bubonic plague. <laughs> Wait, what about ring around the rosy? <laughs> it, it, it's that one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Oh, shit. They carried posies to, up that to smell because of the dead bodies. So it was like a, a natural perfume. Why do we sing it? Yeah, Because, well, you know, confront your own mortality. Take it on the chin like a champ. All right. Well, speak of mortality. <laughs> the Departed. Segways. We keep almost getting... Yeah, I guess we can go into it now. Um, You're welcome. Robbie, you hadn't seen this before, or at least uh, not enough to to qualify for the oh, premise no, of the I've, show. I've seen none of it. The okay, only thing perfect. I've seen is a gif of Jack Nicholson beating the guy's arm. So, like... Are you still a cop? We're going we're gonna to have fun tonight. Um, let me bring out my clock. 
Man, so many texts. I'm so popular. Sorry, guys. I can't help it. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> Is it your agent? It's my agent. He wants me to do the uh, Dropkick Murphy song again. <laughs> Did not realize that was what you were doing at first. I I don't know. It was it was a it was a pitch perfect version of it. So I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so Robbie, unless you really don't want to, we can put a minute on the clock. All right, let's do it. All right, whenever you're ready. So, Departed is about a Irish gang in Southie Boston that uh, has one member who is like raised as a kid to be a part of the gang. Jack Nicholson's character really like kind of integrates him quick, gets him into the police, kind of gives him tips to like fast track his career. You got Leo Cap. Leo's character on the other side, he is uh, somebody that came from like a rough mob family, but really like was raised to have good morals and kind of get out of that. And he also goes to the police. They immediately use this as a intro to get him into a gang. A bunch of crazy shit happens where it's a cat and mouse game between two rats and rival uh, positions within the police and within the gang trying to kind of catch each other. And uh, it kind of just culminates with both of them being attracted to the same psychologist and then kind of splitting off. And uh, at the end, they just all fucking die. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty much The Departed. Um, So this comes out in 2006. It's Oscar month, so we'll be looking at it through that prism too. But just straight off the top, we should say, if you've been listening to the show, you know I normally try to cut out a lot of the F-bombs and swears from the show. But... Oops. It's going to be really hard this week. This Fucking mo- editors. This movie has 283. Hey guy, what the fuck are you doing? This movie has 283 uses of the F word in one or many that's of half its as many versions. as the podcast. Yeah, usually. Yeah, it takes. that's why it takes so long to edit these episodes. None uh, were unnecessary, though. You, you could just tell us not to swear. It's too late. <laughs> I mean, like, we've come too far. A precedent's been set. All right. Um, but yeah, I think that for this, for the, so just a content warning towards ish the top, uh, there's going to be more swearing in this episode because we're going to quote the movie and fucking right. Does that mean I can say the C word? I wouldn't. I don't want couch. (laughs) Couch. Yeah. Um, main players in this one, Martin Scorsese directing Leonardo DiCaprio playing William Costigan or Bill or Billy, whatever. Um, they say his name a lot more than Matt Damon. His name is Colin. Okay, no clue about uh, that. Colin Sullivan, very Irish. So Matt Damon is the mole from Jack Nicholson's crew that is on the inside at SIU in the uh, State Police Department. Leo is the guy who is sort of grew up in between worlds, code switching between Southie Boston and the North Shore when he was with his mom and then his dad on the weekends in, in Southie. So they pull him up to go undercover on behalf of the cops into Frank Costello. That's Jack Nicholson's crew. Those are really the main players. Um, Mark Wahlberg is notably the staff sergeant in SIU who works with Matt Damon kind of antagonistically. Alec Baldwin's also there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's the best way to describe that. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's also there. I think he's really good, but he's, he's just a smaller part. Martin Sheen, I should probably have been mentioned first. He's playing the head of the... CI program that the DiCaprio's in the undercover program that, you know, he, him and Wahlberg are the only people who know that DiCaprio is an undercover cop. Um, is there anyone else? DiCaprio is the third person who knows. Uh, Oh, Vera Farmiga plays a, uh, I guess like a psychologist for the state who mostly cops who, 
have some kind of uh, post-traumatic stress, go to see... Service-related shooting. Yeah, I think it's like by statute, they have to go see her after discharging a weapon, right? Yep. Something like that. Um, And she probably should ask more questions why she's seeing this random guy... Oh, no, no, no. He was um, a Oh, he was court-ordered, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he was court-ordered, right? Okay. So she deals with both sides of the aisle kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. He was court-ordered. Never mind, never mind. Um, Anyone else we're missing? There's so many people who are just guys. Anthony Anderson? Yeah, Anthony Anderson is in it. Yeah, there's so many people who are just small, Kind of smallish role for him, but... Pretty important, though. Very important. (laughs) Yeah. He's in the beginning and the end. Almost, almost helps Leo not die. Uh, But then not quite. No. Is that the last dude that shoots a gun? No. So Anthony Anderson's um, the He's the black guy from oh, Scary okay, Movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're you're a black guy in Boston. You don't need my help getting fucked. Is is that I I had that. That was one of my very few notes. Is like you're a black guy in Boston. You don't need my help getting fucked. I thought that was like classic '80s uh, quote. Insert any any city in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fair. Boston was especially bad though during those times, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So it starts with kind of. Uh, it sets you up with um, Nicholson as Frank Costello is already established, but uh, Matt Damon as a kid in what, like the 80s, I guess is when it starts. Um, and then you fast forward to he's graduating state police in present dish day. Oh, so, I yeah. didn't even put that together. I was they have cell as phones. like a old, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably like late nineties. It looked like yeah, per- perfect, perfect. Uh, perfect. No, I think it's just present day. That's just oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because the cell phones. You can kind of tell based. Yeah, on they cell were texting the and stuff. Yeah, but those were flip phones. I mean, we didn't have those till like I mean eighth grade. Like after eighth grade, everybody was using razors. You we know? were in eighth grade in like two thousand. Yeah, we were in did- shit. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, we're, oh, we're old as hell. God damn. Yeah. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> I'm glad we got it squared away. It would have been confusing the rest of the time. All right, let's 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 talk though. We don't want to just hear me monologue. Or I can I can sing the Dropkick Murphys again, but we can um, we can get into it. Sing it. <laughs> <laughs> one of two songs in this movie that are used twice. The other one being "Gimme Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. Great fucking soundtrack. The mm. third time that Martin Scorsese's used "Gimme Shelter" in a movie. Mm. Um, what were the other times? Let us know. Uh, Goodfellas and Casino. Wow. Mm. You tried to put Ben on blast, dude. No, I just genuinely didn't know. Yeah, I knew Ben would know. He knows everything. Um, so looking at this through the pres- prism of it being a, a Best Picture winner, which Scorsese was surprised by because it's pretty brutal. <laughs> it's usually not the kind of thing the Oscars go for. He had been nominated for Best Director. This was his sixth time. He hadn't won before. And uh, this is still his only win. He's not been nominated three more times since then. Counting movies he's produced that have been nominated for Best Picture. I think he has 14 nominations and just one win. His best director for this movie. He wasn't technically a, a listed producer, so he didn't get a statue for the Best Picture win. Yeah, so uh, that's, I think, all the context we need. Um, what's what's your favorite time that Mark Wahlberg swears at someone? Hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite. I'll, I'll, yeah, my first okay. note is... Damn, hard N-word off the rip. Off the rip. Yeah. It was, it was like three seconds and I was like, whoa, whoa. Same, same exact. That was my first note was that. My second note was gross because it was when Jack Nicholson asked the girl if she had her period yet. My second note was this dude is the definition of misogynistic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So Nicholson playing Frank Costello, vaguely based on Whitey Bulger, except Nicholson refused to wear a Red Sox hat in the movie. 
Um, really? Yep. Oh, is he from like New York or something? Yeah, he, he wore a Yankees hat instead. Gotcha. He's also a big Lakers fan, so he's just one of those guys. He's a total front runner, whatever. <laughs> um, so they still let him film the movie. Yeah, this is our third Nicholson movie actually in our hood. Mm. Uh, we've got wide uh, range of Nicholson. Yeah, I wrote that down actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I put. Uh, I love uh, Jack Nicholson in the movie. It's nice to see the contrast from the rom com to this. <laughs> Yeah, you were on Something's Gotta Give. Robbie's been on all three. The Shining, Something's Gotta Give, and this. <laughs> Wide range. Wide he range. only watches Nicholson movies now. He kills more people in this one. Fair. Yeah. Then <laughs> Something's Gotta Give. Then in Something's Gotta Give, where it's just his own life at risk. Fair. Um, yeah. I thought that was an interesting part of the movie, too, is like there was definitely a lot of like death in the movie, but there was no what I would call like gratuitous gangster violence. Like even when he was like covered in blood from coming back to the from the bar, like, you know, he like chopped somebody up, but they didn't even need to show that. Like there was no like shock value. It was just everything that was done in the movie was like, I I don't know how to describe it, but like I feel like it's almost a little cheap when you're doing like the scar face, like cutting people apart scenes like they did not need to do that to make this a fantastic movie. Yeah, he just has so much presence and menace that you don't need to show him doing too much. I think his face. Right? Yeah, his face. It's in his face, you look at him like, fuck, I don't want to mess with this dude. <laughs> the way like the muscles in his face contort and move while he's speaking yeah. or when he's doing like the rat his thing. Eyes that, yeah. He's 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 awesome in this movie. Um he hadn't worked with Scorsese before, hasn't since. And uh yeah, he's really good. Obviously, Leo and Scorsese have worked together multiple times. Um, I shouldn't say obviously. Uh, Shutter Island, Aviator. So Leo must have been nominated for this as well, right? He just didn't win. Let's get all the Oscar stuff out of the way. Leo is not nominated for this. Mark Wahlberg is. Um, <laughs> what? So weird. Wait, all he did was be a dick the whole time. He's so good. Ah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. He was good, but like, so here's here's that what wasn't the noteworthy performance there. So oh wait, Wahlberg. Never mind. I was thinking of. Uh, the other dude. Aff- Affleck? Yeah. Wait, Damon? Damon. No, no, Damon. 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 <laughs> I mix those two He's up like the only the boss I paused for a second. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is, he, is he even in this? He's no, probably I, somewhere. I, I mix Matt Damon and Affleck. How did he not make it time? in? He must have declined. So yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll do all the Oscar stuff out of the way first. So he's... want he They don't want to put him forward as a uh, lead actor because he they didn't want to take away from the other people in the movie. Plus, uh, this was the same year that he was nominated for Blood Diamond, and so that was the focus for him. I heard about that, <clears throat> that he campaigned hard for Blood Diamond. You kind of let the departed go by the wayside. Oh, that was a yeah. mistake. So Blood they, Diamond was not great. So I they like didn't want to put him in Best fine. Actor, and then he didn't campaign for Supporting Actor, uh, supposedly because he didn't want to take shine off of his co-stars. But mostly, Leo, like Scorsese, famously goes a very long time before winning one. And the thought is perhaps he did not want to win a supporting actor. Um, so he doesn't campaign at all. So he doesn't get nominated. Well, as Wahlberg would say, go fuck yourself. What about the BS <laughs> supporting actor? Yeah, I mean, it's one, it's one of those things where sometimes if it's just like, like Brad Pitt and... Um, once upon a time in Hollywood, he's he's one of the leads of that movie, but he wins for supporting. So. Interesting. <laughs> I yeah. would have seen him as best actor in that, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, is it is what it is, right? Hmm. So that's so that's the DiCaprio thing. 
both DiCaprio and Scorsese have a lot of baggage with the Oscars, especially at this point. Neither of them had won an Oscar before, despite which is crazy being two of the main people of 20th and early 21st century American movie making. So, you know, uh, Leo obviously eventually wins his acting of, uh, trophy for the Revenant. Couldn't remember the name for a second for the Revenant. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm monologuing a lot. You guys talk for a while. <laughs> You're the one that knows all the facts, so we just let you say all that stuff. Yeah, and, but what do you what say? Do you, all the like the facts. The talk. facts are boring, though. People can read Wikipedia. What, oh, what I you, know. I know. It's what do you guys think about though, the movie? Gonna, <laughs> do you want me to review the movie? Sure. sure. What are you What are your thoughts on the movie? Um, <laughs> it feels like such a lame take because, as a white male who's 30 years old who grew up in the Boston area of Irish descent, it's one of my favorite movies ever, mm-hmm. and I feel like. <laughs> a lot of people in my demographic would say the exact same thing. So I feel a little lame saying that, but it's just such a good movie and it's a two and a half hour long movie and not a second goes by slowly. There's not one dead scene in the entire movie. Um, the acting is phenomenal. The casting is phenomenal. The Boston accents are pretty good. Um, the psychiatrist Vera, whatever her name is. Yeah. Vera Farmiga. No. Her accent is not great. Um, <laughs> no, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> every time I, I was hear, like, Oh, just talk. Every time I heard her R's, I was like, that sounds so forced. It, that's, natural. that's the thing too, is like anybody that from the Boston area, you know, there's a plenty of people that just don't have the accent. She didn't need yeah, to have an have accent. accent yeah. Like I'm it was not, just like, I don't speak like that. No, she could have just used her normal voice. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's Boston accent wasn't the greatest, greatest either, but, but Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg sounded completely natural. Yeah. Jack Nicholson sounded completely natural. Um, Martin Sheen wasn't too bad, but he also just didn't use it all the time. No, so like that that's the problem that I have problems overstating it. But the the funny thing to me about a lot of the accents is Vera Farmiga and Jack Nicholson, especially. They just like kind of punt on it at times. They're just like, we're not going to do it here. And then other times they're like, we're going to do it so much here. The dinner scene she had with Matt Damon when they're on their first date, she forces it so hard. Yeah. That was cringy. It was <laughs> kind of cringy to watch. Yeah. Um, but it, one other thing that was kind of cool, I feel like most movies I see with Matt Damon, he's a good guy. It's kind of nice to see him in a bad guy role. I feel like he yeah. does it super well. Um, it's like kind of the, the snaky rat from the gang in the police department. I love seeing that, that different perspective from Matt Damon. Yeah. It was um, funny cause he was kind of like a weenie bad guy. Yeah. It played to his strengths, right? He was still kind of pretending to be a good guy <laughs> while being the bad guy. So it's interesting. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 It was great. Absolutely. Um, and I, I told the guys before uh, you got here, I'm definitely a sucker for a movie where everyone dies. <laughs> it's Spoilers. It's, it's we already said that it's such yeah, a cheap yeah, know, ploy it's not like a cheap ploy if you do it the right way but yeah it's so meaningful and i the one thing i really loved was everyone died but like the good guys legacy got to carry on assuming that the baby is leo's um which I yes think you're supposed to assume is the viewer yeah because because uh colin is impotent oh yes. shit i didn't put that together that's yeah. a real good point I just assumed that. Whereas apparently Leo shoots like fucking straight in two because they straight and true because they only had sex once. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Leo looks <laughs> fucking you know. amazing in the movie. Leo is so yeah. good looking. That's what I'm saying. He got all those that he got prison ripped. That so. egg was basically just calling for it. Like, just come on, <laughs> I'm over here. I'm over here. Leo. I watched it with Christy and she was like, if Leo came over the house and you weren't home, like I, I can yeah. kind of see it going in this direction. Too. Being like super same, vulnerable. Same. I was like, me too. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm. He with comes you. in from the rain. He's just all wet. <laughs> 
He's talking about his emotions. Wet and vulnerable. Yeah. He's a little little just dirty, like rough around the edges, you know? Yeah, he's got just like a little bit of a goatee scruff oh, thing it's, going on. It's actually on. perfect scruff, because we just saw Don't Look Up recently, well, a lot of us did in the room, and his scruff is horrible in that movie. Oh, yeah? He looks so bad. Yeah, um, He looks really bad in that he movie. He looks so good in this. Absolutely. I think we're going to do an episode on whatever wins best picture. So that is to say, hopefully we don't ever cover best. Don't look up on, on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we will. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, he's he, he's looking great. That's that's where the conversation's going. Um, <laughs> he looks wonderful. Um, he's like right. 34 da- Oh, Sorry, sorry. Right, <laughs> he's around 34. I think Damon's like 37. Vera Farmiga's also 34. I guess 32 because I looked it up. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, we, I don't know if I didn't like. I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like we're almost there. None of us look like that. It's just fucked up. <laughs> well, because the, re- the reason I looked it up was that first scene when he's in the academy and he's clean cut. He looks like he's fucking eighteen. Yeah, mm. and that's yeah. why I was. Like, I thought he was shit, way younger. How young was he yeah. in this movie? And that's for why I sure. It up. Well, Leo's always looked younger until he got to a certain point where his face just kept expanding, <laughs> and now he kind of looks toady. Um, yeah, but he's he's making it work for him. He's going in like much more character thirty to fifty uh, actor. I mean, he's yeah, still, much. he looks great for a 47 year old, but oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. No, I think he's, I think he's wonderful. He's maybe my favorite actor. And I think the work he's doing recently with an exception, um, is stuff I'm really, really into. And, and he's really getting into like more character stuff. He plays the role so well. I don't yeah. know if you know off the top of your head, but what was his like, uh, no, he didn't get nominated. I was going to say, what was his Oscar? If let's just spitball. He got what, what do you think his lot. Oscar scene would be? I would say for me personally, the scene with him and Mark Wahlberg on the roof. <laughs> Not Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon on the roof, where he first confronts Matt Damon. Either that or um, when he's talking about how his hand doesn't move to the therapist, because that's just him talking that was and just saying, too. you know. Me and Christy, when we watched the movie, we instantly put our hands on. Christy was like, I feel like my hand doesn't move either. My hand definitely moves. I forgot <laughs> what, what happened to that part. Uh, he's talking to the therapist, and he's it's where he's, he's talking about like sitting with a mass murderer and like your, you know, your oh. heart rate's so high. But what he learned about himself in prison is that his hand doesn't shake. Oh, my hand shakes when I'm not doing anything. Yeah, my hand shakes too. It's just like most people's hands. I have <laughs> and it's weird because he does it and it's like, wow, his hand's not shaking. He's a good actor. <laughs> or they just froze the frame. Um, so so bigger picture stuff that we should mention. Um, you're talking about how good Damon is, how good DiCaprio is. I feel like this movie really weaponizes their personas. DiCaprio has this kind of I don't know. This is a youthful vibe that maybe tracks as like innocence, but I feel like in a lot of his stuff, he comes across as kind of like, he's really putting in a lot of effort. It's very effortful. Um, it doesn't look easy what he's doing in, in this whole movie. He said he played as if he was having a panic attack the whole time, pretty much. Oh, you got that from it. Um, my pulse was pounding the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So, so Leo as a guy that has a little bit of uh, artifice to him, I think tracks really well because he kind of has like a try hard quality mm. and that's what this whole character is. He's just trying way too hard and people are constantly calling him out on it. And then he's put in a situation for apparently like over a year where if he gets found out, he'll, he'll be uh, brutally murdered. Mm. Fun tension. And Very I think fun same thing with Damon who comes across as like, he presents as this kind of just, you know, varsity football star, all American guy. 
And uh, he's, he's an asshole. up to him on a platter, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's an asshole. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody asked him, like, Vera didn't ask him, like, hey, how do you afford this apartment, man? Like, you're on a yeah. police detective salary, yeah. and this is like a $3,500 a month apartment. They, and they do so much throughout the movie, without putting, I guess, too fine a point on it, of cutting between Leo in prison, Damon in his awesome penthouse apartment, View um, of the state house. Yeah, Leo hanging out with like in like a really shitty neighborhood or something, and then Damon at a really fancy restaurant with his uh, therapist girlfriend. The duality was fantastic, yeah. and like when Leo was like demanding for his old life back, like I don't want my ple- I want my life back. It's like, man, you you can't get your life back at this point. I don't know if you ever realized that, but like there was no going back for him. I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, but there was no going back for Damon's character either because like he was getting. Fi- I, I don't know. I just really liked how they both were in the same situation almost, but with very different circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And and you pick up on how much a lot of people in the department kind of resent Damon's character for just being, just being a climber. He's yeah. just always trying to get up, you know? It did seem a little, um, far-fetched again that nobody called about like they did kind of on like a really lucky that gun was in the trunk huh and it's like man there's been a lot of coincidences that happened just perfectly for this guy here like he should be tripping off some alarm somewhere i think a lot of it is the the it's making the argument that um it there's not a lot of good police that actually are going to question like oh the case is closed good you know um and then Wahlberg at the end, I guess, is the, <laughs> you know, it, I like that there's not even like a, the only good cop situation because like he just straight up murders something. He doesn't try to arrest him. He's just like, you yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for like even and a everyone else either like doesn't do their job thoroughly enough or is dead. Or is, <laughs> so. that's, I was hoping for like at least a little clip at the end of a news story of like hero cop turned out to be, a, in, you know, like a yeah. embedded gangster or something. Yeah. But like. I don't know. I'm not even convinced that the rest of the world would even find out that uh, Damon's character was a bad cop, you know? No, definitely not. No, he'll get the bagpipes. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that's part of the point. I love <laughs> yeah. the ending. To be, I would not yes. change the ending at all. I thought Interesting. it was awesome. Although, if the movie was a continuum, did Mark Wahlberg get caught for that? He was... Oh, absolutely not. He left the fucking door open. Yeah, but he had like little booties on, like painters. Yeah, he was ready. Yeah, he was like very shoes. prepared. There I'm sure. Two women in the hallway walking a dog. He fired on the pistol. elevator. They got in the elevator. They were gone. I don't think he got caught. I think if there was cameras, he was aware of it. Like, I think the purpose of him being so prepared was just to show, like, he wasn't going to get caught That type of building has cameras in the hallway. He didn't pull the mask over his face. Yeah, but he probably, like, turned him or something. Like, he he was was very clearly going in for, like, a contract hit. He also has a police badge. He could just be like, let me get in there. Oh, he wasn't a police officer at that point. He gave us two weeks. He quit. Oh, right. Like, I thought they forced him to go on leave. They put him on leave, and then when Damon's talking to Leo, he tells him that he's gone. Oh, so, uh, but I mean, I it depends how much you believe him. But yeah, yeah, I mean, so and I think the ending was great, but that was kind of my other thing is like he really could have brought him back, and he could have gotten uh, Mark Wahlberg's character to vouch for him. He had all of the information as well. Like he also yeah. knew he was on that mission, so that's well, why he, he calls Anthony Anderson down there and tells him to bring Wahlberg. And oh, he that's who he said to bring. Okay. <laughs> and he doesn't. Gotcha. <laughs> so that, and that's what ruins everything. Gotcha. I I mixed up the character name, so I wasn't sure who he was supposed to also yeah, bring. But Not the guy who was there. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. just uh, Anthony Anderson's partner, so that's why I thought he told him to bring both of them, but like that yeah. makes sense. 
Yeah, because they were in the academy together, so Anthony Anderson does know him. Okay. Okay. And then Dingham, because that's the only guy who know, who actually knows the situation. That makes so much sense. That clears up a lot for me. Yeah. But I figured she also, like, the psychiatrist could have released his file to, to like, you know, to the police or whatever. But it seems she like Leo's plan was to release it to uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, and that's mm-hmm. why he ended up showing up. But that's why I was hoping he got caught too. Like, you know, they, but that's why he gets away with it because he keeps his mouth shut. Sorry, I'm Mm -hmm. talking out loud. You can edit all this out. No. No, That's pretty essential. That's what we're we're figuring out right now. Talking about it. So wait, in the end, Wahlberg, he's a bad guy, right? Yeah. Morally gray. I mean, depends. I I mean, like, uh, fuck fuck Colin. Stupid Colin. Wants to happen. Everyone watching the movie wants Mark Wahlberg to kill or not well, Mark Wahlberg necessarily, but Matt Damon's character to get busted slash die. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's like... He carries out the people's justice. So he, he did it with, well, in a sense, good intentions. He wasn't working for the bad guys taking him out. Uh, I, so like I don't even know if it's good he intentions. He's just like, this guy's been fucking us. And this, well, yeah. I, I, well, I in his head, in his head, like, fuck this guy. Like, he sucks. Yeah. He's, he's bad. Yeah. Kill him. I think he had a personal vendetta, too. I think right, he yeah. fucking hated him. He's, he's not thinking, like, like for no, the good nobody, of the Commonwealth. Most likely, nobody's <laughs> paying him, like, hey, you need to take this guy out before no. he spills the beans about something. That's basically what I mean. I think, too, if, like, they brought him in alive, there was a good chance, like, with no records now, and he had already quit after assaulting a police officer. Like he might not have even went to jail. Like they could have just, he could have been like, no, I was actually the informant. This guy was the rat, you know? And like, that's why he has all these records of me because he was on to me. But luckily we caught him right before it. Like there definitely was some, yeah. there, if he didn't just like, for yeah, for escape, I guess. Uh, did you guys know this is a remake? No, no, no. So this is a remake of a 2002 Hong Kong film called Infernal Affairs. Oh, actually, I think I've heard that. Yeah. Huh. It uh, stars Tony Leung in the in the DiCaprio role. You'd know him from, uh, he's the villain in Shang-Chi. So he's also in a ton of other stuff and great Wong Kar Wai films. He's the star of In the Mood for Love. Fantastic film. But most people will know him as the villain and the main character's dad in Shang-Chi. Spoilers. No, you just know that. Okay. That's, just, that's right from the beginning, pretty much. Gotcha. It's I guess pro- just to say villain, the antagonist. Interesting. Yeah. So it was a remake from oh, a movie okay. four years old? Mm-hmm. Got great ratings, too. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. It didn't obviously make a huge impact over here. Uh, apparently, when Scorsese signed on, he didn't realize it was a remake. He didn't write the script. And he didn't uh, watch... Infernal Affairs until they had already finished making this movie. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. It's supposed to be awesome. (laughs) I'm wondering how close it is. Um, It looks pretty close. The ending's different, but there's two versions of the ending because to play in some markets in Asia, you have to have people who did bad things in the movie get punished at the end. That makes sense. Um, And I think the original ending is basically right up until the last scene of this movie, except... Except the Damon character doesn't get shot. He goes to jail. No, he just he just is. It just ends. Oh, that's it, a it just, horrible it just ends, ending. <laughs> it just ends at the DiCaprio funeral. Oof. Um. So, in the version that played in at least Malaysia, and and in a version that played in mainland China, um, the DiCaprio character instead like successfully arrests him <laughs> and and he goes to jail. <laughs> and that's, oh. that's even worse. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so both those endings kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to watch it, especially after just watching this one. Be oh, interesting. yeah, for Appa- sure. Apparently it is legitimately very, very good. Some people are saying it's like better than Departed. Yeah, I think but Departed has... As as an interesting reputation, being being the one that Scorsese actually wins Best Director for, because it's probably not his best movie. Um, I think most people would agree. I know that for me, it's not Goodfellas. But uh, I mean, Goodfellas is awesome. Raging Bull, maybe I would say. Um, but he's great, and you know, it's it's it, he has just such an interesting filmography that people sometimes flatten out to just gangster movies and the Rolling Stones on the soundtrack, which of course he does use Rolling Stones twi- song twice in this. And it is about gangsters, but um, what anyway, th- what do you think Leo's best movie is? Shit. Um, I honestly, I think Titanic, I don't know if it's recency bias, but once upon a time in Hollywood is, is maybe my favorite Leo performance. I think he's so good in that. Mm. Okay. He, he's really freaking good in that movie. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen that one actually. I feel like I've seen a lot of Leo movies too for some reason. Yeah, should should also mention um, Gangs in New York, another Leo Scorsese movie where he plays a young Irish guy who infiltrates a gang to get closer to the patriarch of that gang. I've seen that. Hmm. Yeah, I like The Wolf of Wall Street personally. I actually, I would say, I would say probably, yeah, maybe I'd lean towards Wolf. I think I like his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much. But I would probably take Wolf of Wall Street maybe over it. It's so good. I guess I have to watch it. If it's you do hard. an episode on that. You've never seen Wolf of Wall Street? No. We'll oh, just do, damn. We'll just do a Scorsese month. When did that come out? 2011 or something like that. Something oh. like that. Oh, that's old. That's definitely not exact, I don't think. But um, I actually have it in front of me. A long time ago. <laughs> I guess I could have just. After learned. high school. I remember that. But before we graduated college, I think. I mean, after high 2013. school. 2013. Like last year or two. <laughs> 2013. Okay. That's another movie. Uh, people don't make that mistake with this movie because people die. It's a lot more clear. And it, it not to say that it holds your hand as much, but it has a much clearer defined plot. Um, but Wolf of Wall Street is one of the Scorsese movies that people accuse of like glorifying bad behavior. It's mm. like, how can you possibly think that he thinks Jordan Belfort is a good guy watching that movie? Right. And I mean, like throwing lobsters if, off of his yacht and if you feel like little people that onto movie Velcro. glorified his behavior, then like Same that's clips. just it's a reflection of the society at the time because Jordan Belfort went off to like still be a famous person that made a shit ton of money off of the actual real public. So like everyone did glorify his yeah. behavior. Yeah, he still makes money off of those events. Like he does a bunch of interviews and podcasts. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. he's like on the speaking circuit, right? And he, he, he can't trade stocks, but can he do crypto? I'm sure he can. There's no regulations on yeah. that. So the, that Dan Olson video mentions him and says that he's really into crypto. He yeah. Say like if he's bought in, whatever. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So like, yeah, he kind, was probably kind of glorified <laughs> a, a little bit, but like, yeah. that's real life. So, <laughs> All that to say, in this particular Scorsese movie, The Departed, I don't think you think that he's glorifying Frank Costello's character at all. Because <laughs> no. that guy from from the jump is the most like hateful dude in most movies. They even make a point to be like, I mean, I think a lot of villains are like, you know, I was forced into this life or I'm just doing what I have no, to do. He says, I don't need like, to do this anymore. I just want to. I just like it. And it's just like, wow, you're a big piece of shit, huh? Yeah. 
Was I also he, think they make him physically look kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. Like a, his hair is just like his hair is a mess, a mess the whole and time. He's just like an animal. The, yep. Yeah, the way he eats, the way he his like facial expressions all the time. Yeah, he's just got fingers full of lobster, just like sliding yeah. off of his face. Like yeah, so he's, he's a so fucking vulgar. slob. Yeah, in a good way. But a beautiful artist. <laughs> I love that um, when he when he's quoting John Lennon and. Uh, DiCaprio is not really taking it seriously. And then he like pulls out a disembodied hand and he starts like using it to gesture without even like breaking eye contact. <laughs> it's like, what a cool scene. DiCaprio's <laughs> like visibly like on edge. He's like, yeah. oh my God. It's a power move, right? Like if I brought a, yeah. I brought a fucking decapitated hand to this podcast, you guys would like probably respect me a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell yeah. you to get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I mean, the Die Hard episode was pretty intense. <laughs> we can peek behind the curtain. That's why. Um, yeah, I just think it, immediately gets rid of the wires. Like that's the move, man. Yes, that that's really funny where that happens, and he just like I need to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> I'm absolutely not doing this. Throws him out the window into the Boston Harbor. Yeah, that was something yeah. I forgot about. Like on the rewatch, this is probably my third or f- probably my fourth time seeing the movie. Okay, and I forgot about the, the wire that he originally wore a wire because I remember like that he ha- he was basically reporting back to Martin Sheen, Mark Wahlberg throughout the movie because yeah, obviously it would be incredibly dangerous to wear a wire. Around the Jack Nicholson. Yes, character. he was literally already. What, what searched a terrible for one. idea! <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't I have even walked into that meeting. Where, like, they literally broke my cast open checking for a wire. You don't think they're going to check again? How could like, the cops think that that was a, a safe move for their CI? I don't. They didn't give a, yeah, give a shit. No, I mean, even when he took the wires off, they're like, "You think he's dead already?" <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to like prison. Coming out, being an undercover, and then you're gonna put a fucking wire on me? No way. No. I mean, I wouldn't do anything. Going of that. to prison too. It's not like someone yeah. they picked up from prison. It was like, hey, you're gonna go to prison. And he's like, uh, I want to be a cop. Okay. That was a badass operation they had going though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, man, yeah, good movie. Now we don't have to get bogged down and just like this scene was cool, but this this movie I think lends itself to that. I was thinking this might be the most rewatchable movie that we've done so far in the podcast. Yeah, I honestly almost feel a little un- underprepared that I've almost seen it once because I feel like there's a lot that I would need to like absorb from it. Like you just, it's so quick paced, even two yes. and a half hours. Like, I, I don't know. But it still zooms. Yeah. It fucking zoom zooms, man. It's, um, it's the thing I, it's, you know, it's a Scorsese thing too. It just sort of all goes. Yep. It doesn't stop. It doesn't necessarily have a standard rhythm. There's no processing time. It's just no, it scene just after scene after scene, and then each one is just as crazy as the last. Yeah. It's it's doing a thing, and it doesn't natu- naturally transition the way other things do, but it does naturally kind of slide along. It's characters talking about one thing, and then it'll be the same characters talking about the same thing, but they'll be in a completely different place, mm. and you just understand, like, oh, okay, now they're over here. Now this is happening. Yep. Now they're looking for microprocesses. Um, Do you think the guy that That's where was, the shortage is happening. That's why there's a shortage. This is why the shortage is happening. <laughs> Do you think the guy that was reported as a police officer, like when he was found in the swamp, was he also an undercover cop, do you think? Or yeah. do you think that was the... Okay. Yeah, because he says to uh, Leo before he dies, like, I knew, like I, you, you gave yourself away, but like, tell me why I didn't say anything. Oh, that's yeah. what he was getting. Oh, at. I misinterpreted yeah. that. Because okay. he tells Leo four fourteen, 
or three fourteen or whatever, but it's actually whatever number forty four instead of fourteen. Yeah. But he shows up at the right building, and he's like, "Because you were already there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so maybe he thought. Wait, so he was an undercover as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they said that in the movie. Well, because the movie makes you think. Well, they don't make you think, but the point is like that. It shows Jack Nicholson is becoming completely paranoid. Yeah, because like, he is, says it's they're it's lying. It's a police planted <laughs> story in the media, basically, yeah. to think that they got rid of the rat already. Yeah. Um, so it's supposed to like represent his like mental spiraling. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, he's he's deteriorating pretty rapidly and becoming super paranoid. I was I wasn't because didn't he just say? Well, the police said they were. I thought it was a little noncommittal. No, it, it's just that scene that Ben was talking about where he's laying on the couch dying and he pulls Leo in. He's like, tell me why I didn't say that. And like, there's literally no other explanation for why he wouldn't tell the rest of the gang that Leo showed up at the correct address despite receiving the wrong oh, address. So what I thought he was saying is, tell me why you showed up on time anyway. That's that's also what I thought. No. Okay. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. No, he said, tell me why I didn't say nothing. Okay. So oh. Like, I Honestly, I... I didn't catch that in my first couple of views too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. It's it's like you said, it's two and a half hours long, but it, it ain't slow. No. <laughs> Fastest two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. It just goes, man. And and like I said, it's so rewatchable. Anytime this is on TV, wherever it is, I'm like, oh, I'll check out this scene. Uh, I think the scene I've probably seen the most is anytime it's coming up to the when uh they interrogate Leo for the first time when he's in the bar. Um that's such a great scene. <laughs> mm, such a good scene. Where they yeah, break open period. his cast. and Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's, a, it's a natural diuretic. My girlfriend thinks it when she has her period. You got your period. Really dumb move on his part, though. Who is a fucking I was wondering the, on the same thing. I'm like, what the hell undercover. is he doing? I'd just be yeah. like, I think as Jack Nicholson's character, I'd be like, so you're a cop, right? Like, you're just here drinking cranberry juice. Like, that's the most cop thing I can think of to fucking do right now. Where, wherever like he goes. Drink, drink alcohol. Yeah. He he doesn't fit in anywhere, right? When he tries to be a cop, they tell him you're you can't be a cop. You're you got a you're a fucking astronaut. You got fourteen hundred on your SATs. Yep. It's that. Probably upstairs. Yeah, it's I don't know, upstairs. Whatever. It's not going to come hammers across. Hammering. <laughs> um, and then so when he tries to be a cop, the cops tell him you can't be a cop. Right. You're obviously not a cop. You don't have the mentality for it. And then when he tries to be a criminal, they tell him you can't be a criminal. Go back to school. Okay. Yeah, Nicholson literally tells him, "Like you're gonna one day you're gonna wake the fuck up." That was interesting. <laughs> I think that was like the only scene we were talking about him like not being humanized, and that was I think that was the only part where you're just like he's kind of looking out for your best interests here, man. Like I don't he know also, what his angle is. He also walks over and uh, sexually harasses uh, clergy directly after that too. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't really feel bad for them since they were like. Both pedophiles is the... Uh, that's what he calls them, pretty much. Oh, I, I thought he knew they were. I didn't think he was calling them that. I mean, it's it's Boston, and it's the, per- it's the perfect Percentage. time for that kind of thing. That's I, I feel like he knew, and he was basically like... Telling them, don't judge me. I know what you're up to. Like, I, I don't think know. it was kind of like a, like a after 9-11 calling a Muslim a terrorist type of situation. Interesting. That, that's, that's more what I got from it. Oh, because it was oh. the beginning of the movie, right? At that point, we're, I don't know, like an hour in. <laughs> oh, never mind. No, I was thinking of like the very beginning. We're the the scene where he boy. tells Leo that maybe you want to go back to school. Oh, like maybe okay. you're not cut out for this. And, I, then, I, and then he walks over and he hands off a, a lewd illustration to, oh, right, right, <laughs> to right, the right, two priests. I definitely misread that situation because I thought he was basically like, I almost expected him to collect money from them afterwards. Like, you doing this in my city, like, 
you're going to pay me for it. But I guess, no, it ties no, it better because he's definitely like said a lot of shitty things about the church all the way leading up to that. So it really gives you a state of mind of like, he just hates these people. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes more sense. Or, or I don't know. It could be both. Mm. <laughs> it is, it is Boston priest. Well, cause there was also a scene and I guess I probably should look too much into it, but there was a bunch of like kids marching onto his yacht. And I was like, Oh, is this like a wine, not a Weinstein, a fucking Epstein thing? You know, like, is he also in this business? You know it's what I mean? Lolita Express, you think? <laughs> it just, it kind of like tied in with him, like having information on these police. And then like, I, I don't know if they actually got on the boat, but it looked like there was like a parade of school children going onto that yacht. You know, this is uh, not something I thought was necessarily going to naturally come up, but I'm glad it did. Cause fun fact, that yacht is the same yacht that, uh, Leo has in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, no, no way. way. Yep. Is that the same uh, where he's wearing yacht when they took a picture of Jack Nicholson with the shirt off eating pizza with a bunch of babes? No, I think that was a smaller yacht, unfortunately. <laughs> I thought he was just like, uh, one condition. I'm not wearing that fucking hat, but uh, I want that yacht. He should have been. That's what I would do if I was a famous person. I'd be like, I don't even like need it, but I'm just going to be like, you're going to give me that when I'm, when I'm done. Yeah. Oh, man, good movie. So, um, there's a few people they offered the Dignum role to first. It's Ding Dignum is such a hard word for me to get That's my Wahlberg, mouth around. Right? Yeah. Wahlberg eventually takes it. They had offered Ray Liotta. Obviously, it worked with uh I keep saying that. I shouldn't say that. Making a few people feel bad. He had obviously He's the Goodfellas guy. Yes. Ray Liotta from Goodfellas worked with Scorsese before. Um as a memorable cameo in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Those, those are my main Leota pulls. Um, so they had offered him the role of uh, Dignam. I think Dennis Leary was also an option, but had like other commitments or something. Dingham. Seriously. And it ends up with Wahlberg. I think this might be the best Wahlberg has ever been in a movie. He's really freaking good. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, he really made me hate him. So, yeah. Well, you hated Wahlberg? He's such a him. dick. <laughs> I, I yeah. kind of like that about him. <laughs> he was a dick, but he was like a dick in like a you want to be his bud way. He didn't try to not be a dick. That's no. the thing. He was you genuine. Know? He, was, he, was, he was genuinely an asshole. Yeah, it was just like, ah, uh, this guy's an asshole. I don't know. But no, he was a douche. Like I wouldn't have been his friend in high school. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I I don't want anything him, to think he was funny. Oh, I wouldn't. I, I just, he he didn't cross the line to humor for me. Like, I think he was close to it, but he just seemed so, like, he didn't seem like he was busting your balls. He just seemed like he was ready to, and he did, like, physically assault people all the time. <laughs> you know, like, he didn't seem like this was just like a, That's this a is my, my bravado. It was just like a, <laughs> I'm a fucking crazy person. <laughs> he definitely had some repressed childhood emotions, like 100%. He was a bully in high school. Yeah. So you treat feds like you treat mushrooms. You feed them shit and keep them in the dark. <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line. No, that's that's. I'm not saying he was a bad actor. He made me dislike him quite a bit, which is a good. Uh... I'm just saying. I usually like don't think of Mark Wahlberg as someone who's going to inherit a character quite this uh, inhabit a character quite this much. You kind of just think of Wahlberg doing. The Wahlberg yeah, thing, yeah, but, yeah, no, you know. absolutely. Like I'm not arguing that his acting wasn't fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it, maybe it's just tough now after the Wahlburgers reality TV show and stuff. There's a TV but show? This, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's he got a 
Best Supporting Actor nom for this. A few years later, he gets a Best Actor nom for The Fighter. He's really fucking good in The fr- oh, Fighter, fighter too. so good. Yeah, he's, he's really good in that, I too. I haven't thought about that so movie in so movie. long. I think I've seen I that, I totally actually. forgot about that. I haven't yeah. thought about that movie forever. So he might be better in that. That is what he gets his Best Actor nomination for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something but I think you just kind of think of him as like the guy who took over Transformers after Shia LaBeouf got too weird. Yeah. I stopped after the second one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. That was enough. Probably a good, good point to stop. Um, originally they wanted Mel Gibson to play the role that Alec Baldwin has. I, I would have been okay with that. I didn't think Al- Alec Baldwin uh, it wouldn't have aged well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that Alec Baldwin could have been replaceable though. I was like, yeah, Alec that's what Baldwin I, I mean. Like this role, he, no one else could have been him. It was very mediocre. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a smaller role. I think you have Mel Gibson there is basically like, well, I mean, in Lethal Weapon, he's obviously iconic, and it's going to be a kind of like that uh, guy, but a few years later. Okay. Um. But it's it's a small role, but he did, I think Baldwin does crush the scene where he's uh, at the driving range. That was my favorite scene with him, too. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, I think he plays, like, the oblivious guy in charge really well. Like, I don't know. I think it worked really well for him. Also, ac- also accurate, right? Marriage is an important part of getting ahead, and that, that whole little run he does. Mm. I thought that, too. I was like, thank God I'm married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Pat. Way to go, Pat. <laughs> let's yeah, people know. Must be nice. Where he says, like, let's people... Uh, when ladies see the ring they know immediately you must have some cash or your cock must work and then Damon goes yeah it's working overtime oh my god and at least and one person can stand yeah. here yeah, yeah that was my yeah. favorite part now Baldwin goes oh, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that it's like it's very he, get, he goes into 30 rock mode for like a second there it's very funny and he also like in that scene I don't know, it's just like a small touch but his hair is like disheveled he looks like yeah. you can see like the belly coming out of his uh, like his waistline yep. it's just he looks like such a dad at the golf course and I just he's like you know some people don't trust you because you're a straight shooter but I trust you because I'm a straight shooter too and i'm like i don't trust either you fucks yeah <laughs> it's even better the word choice is immaculate record immaculate record. some guys don't there trust an immaculate record I, yeah. do, I do i have an immaculate record <laughs> it's just like classic like white guy on top yes. like I it's, it's very jack donaghy which is a parody of that kind of guy okay i don't know who jack donaghy is. Uh, from third his character in 30 rock oh i should probably watch that Oh, you would love it. It's right up your alley. I, yeah. I think I would. I've heard a lot. Of, I think I've seen like screenshots from it. But. I've seen yeah. <laughs> a good amount of that. Yeah, you just see like not not memes, but just like random screenshot of like Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey walking down a hallway. But there's no macro text on it. There's, <laughs> there's no definitely joke. macro text. <laughs> just them walking. I've seen a shot. Of <laughs> I know it exists. <laughs> I know it exists. Um. Martin Sheen was the last person they hired to come in. I think Sheen does a really good job, actually. Um, but he uh, he plays Queenan. The guy who gets thrown off the roof. Oh, okay. oh. The guy gets thrown off the roof in one of the... Queenan was fantastic. Yes, I thought... You know, like I said, his, he sometimes isn't fully doing the accent, but when he does, it's not... He's not doing a bad job. Yeah. He's not well, overdoing That, that kind of tracks. I feel like you meet people that like will pick up the accent when they're around other people using the accent, but also oh, yeah. just like speak regularly sometimes. Yeah. That happens to me. Yeah, I mean, especially sure. like somebody in his position, he probably bumps elbows with people that do not talk like someone from Celsius, Southie at yeah. all. No, so. you're, you're totally right. Yeah. He's, he's probably doing some code switching. I Let think. me spend a day with my dad and I start talking like him. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, or after after watching this movie, I'm definitely doing like a Mark Wahlberg thing for a while. My my dad has like, it's a unique accent. 
It's like you take a little bit of a grew up in a Portuguese household and Boston and you slap them together. Yeah. That's my dad. Yeah. I, people we grew up around have Rhode Island accents, which are even worse than Boston ones. What's a Rhode Island accent? It's I slightly here. it's slightly more nasally than Boston, and the A's are um, objectively the worst sounding A sound. Give me your, your best country. shot. I actually can't do accents because I took a bunch okay. of speech therapy when I was in uh, elementary school. Doesn't that mean you should it's do it better? No, it, they didn't teach Whoa. me how to do accents. <laughs> they, they taught me how to not do accents. They should record. They should show your podcast as like, this is what you can be if you have speech therapy. Say, yeah, you so, speak way better well, than all of us. You have a fantastic podcast voice. So. Thank you. Um, so it was that I couldn't, I don't even know if it was that bad. I couldn't pronounce ours correctly, but I contend that it's because- You're from Boston. Um, I was going to say, I contend that's because I didn't, I had never heard an R used correctly. Yeah, fair. So I didn't know how to use them. And then they like they put me in like a special class. Hmm. That's probably why my dad has an accent. Yeah, maybe. Nobody he was around spoke English. It's really weird because obviously British English, they don't use ours that much either, but it doesn't sound anywhere near as dirty as when we do it. But obviously we have yeah. we have like a mongrelized version of the New England settlers who came and like they 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 drop their R's too, but they do it in a different way. We're just so damn stubborn. <laughs> we never evolved from it. Pretty much. Yeah. Do we know anyone in real life who has like a super strong Boston accent? Uh it's it's there's so, that like Fall River accent that's like yeah. quasi Boston. Yeah, yeah. And that that's like the Rhode Island accent is Fall River. Too. Yeah. yeah. I, just, so, I can't think of anyone that I know in my personal life who has like a strong Boston it's accent. It's definitely associated more with like a blue collar thing. Um, I have some uncles on my parents' yeah. side that live up in Boston, but Marty Walsh, the labor secretary of America, not my oh, uncle. Yeah. No. <laughs> <Former> Boston <laughs> mayor. My dad's coworkers. They, it's like strong. They all work in Boston. A lot of them live there. Yeah, but there, it's like strong. You hear all of them talking, and I'm like, Jesus, is this a movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, calling each other kid. <laughs> and stuff's wicked cool. Wicked cool. I, I say, use well, wicked all the time. Uses, well, everyone yeah. I know uses wicked for sure. Same. Yep. Yeah, boy. No, wicked's a fucking great word. Yeah. Even like wicked going. Cool. It's a wicked great e- word. Even going from like the Fall River area to working in Providence, like people would be like, oh, wicked, you're from Massachusetts. I'm like, I can't believe you guys don't use that too, but it's hit should. or miss. You it's, should. It's, it's wicked useful. Yep. It's because half of Providence is not from Providence. <laughs> it's, fair. it's all college. But again, it's, it's like a mongrelized version because wicked is an exclamation oh, in British in British English and we use it in a different way here. Right. <laughs> but we're the only ones who use it. We still have the, it's still, <laughs> so it's an exclamation yeah. It's in like British, a modifier. But we still use it yeah. as like a positive modifier. Yes. Yeah, but they can just be like, oh, wicked, like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we wouldn't do that. We'd no. say like, oh, wicked cool. Yeah. <laughs> wicked bad. It could be wicked, yeah, I was going to say, oh, it could it's be negative. It's wicked bad, kid. <laughs> Um, wicked bad. Also, kid. there's just like the the word wicked, like <laughs> like evil bad. Sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we have witches, so we use that too. The, the <laughs> wickedest of witches, wicked, wicked, <laughs> wicked, wicked witches, Ooh. wicked, wicked witches. I was like, are you, are you scratching it? <laughs> so you guys might not have quite such um, a visceral reaction to seeing the state house so many times over the course of the movie, but I do. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it made you sad, Ben. You've been there a couple of times, right? Uh, just a few, and. Uh, it's worth noting that his apartment doesn't exist. They get that shot of the state house from the um, one of the Suffolk buildings. Really? Oh, okay. I did yeah. notice it looked like kind of weird. Yeah, the there, there's like not a place where you can see that. There's one shot where him and his friends 
I think it's James Badge Dale who also ends up being a mole in the unit from uh, Costello's crew. Yep. You don't find out till the very end and then he immediately dies. Um, <laughs> they're sitting on a bench and like looking at the state house and I was like, I don't think that exists. Unless, unless there's some weird lensing thing that makes the state house look a lot closer to this bench. There's no bench there. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, there's no bench like across, across the street. There's a sidewalk. There's the glory monument. That well, movie that Denzel Washington was, was filmed, in. there was a bench. Have they kept up with that roof? There Is it still that beautiful space. gold? Because oh, yeah, that's like is. some excessive. I mean, and you can even look around Fall River. All of those gold, like green domes we have should look like that state yeah. house. But now they look gross. Now they look gross. Yes. Yeah, no, it looks. It, it still looks great. There, there's construction on the front of the building right now, so there's scaffolding. But they very funnily um, have like a, it looks like a blown up JPEG on top of this huge scaffolding. So, like, if you take a picture, it still kind of looks like there's not scaffolding. <laughs> um, like, of what the front facade of the building would be, but they just, like, put it over, like, a, you know, like a windscreen that's on the side of the scaffolding. So that's where my taxes that's are going. Hilarious. Uh-huh. You know how much it costs hilarious. to print out a picture that big? At least 30 bucks, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, but where yeah. is the state house? Like, exactly. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, where in Boston? So, it's right on one of the corners of the common. Oh, okay. A, a par, uh, corner of uh, Beacon and Park Street. Okay. Actually, I think they did a shot of City Hall in there, too. That really weird-looking building. So, yeah, there's a building. She works at... Sorry. Vera Farmiga, work, where she works, that they say is, like, where government people go to, like, you know, uh, get their brains checked. Um, that's actually the Christian Science Center. <laughs> okay. Which is a really cool-looking plaza, but I don't think is where government people see... Um, cops with post-traumatic stress christian science center yeah christian science is um these people who believe <sighs> prayer is uh science all the medicine you need yeah nice and they have this really nice plaza designed by we all am, agree designed by im pay in back bay um nowhere near the state house or or government center so but government center wasn't there wasn't it i think when um so when they started following they, uh, the so, police chief yeah, he's yeah. Coming he's out he's S- SIU, where SIU is, is either Government Center or it's one of the buildings that looks exactly like that. Is that the big cement building? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. looks almost like UMass yeah, Dartmouth. Like I, I think this looks just like yes, UMass Dartmouth. It's, it's brutalist architecture. Yeah. Um, Boston. That is either a huge eyesore or a source of pride, depending on who you ask. Very. I think the very way they nice. did that one is a lot better than the brutalist architecture that they did in UMass Dartmouth. Cause at least it's well, unique. Yes. It has like <laughs> a lot of those like weird jutting out structures, which I think is interesting at the very least. Uh, the so, government center in Boston has a lot of interior courtyards. So there's always natural light depending on like what part of the building you're on is the idea. Kinda, but you know, that was fluorescent lights and shit. A lot of open areas. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a prison. Cool. Wait, where did the the Vera character go to college? Um, she went Suffolk. 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 That, yeah. that is it. Or no, she didn't go to Suffolk. She went to UMass, right? Yeah. No. She said, she, no. She, I think that's he where, went. He was going to Suffolk, and then she said, "No, I went to UMass." I thought yeah. he went to UMass. No, he went to Suffolk. I was oh actually never I was gonna say I wasn't sure if she was lying because throughout the rest of the movie she wore a lot of Harvard shit but she's in Boston everybody just wears yeah, a lot of Harvard yeah. shit <laughs> yeah it's inescapable um I have a Harvard bag yeah Park Street I right, did too right next oh, yeah, to the state house <laughs> uh, Park Street Station outside of that there's always someone selling uh, knockoff Harvard sweatshirts yep that's that's the T stop that they leave from they go to South Station they shot that sequence apparently a hundred times that uh, Martin Sheen and Leo had to ride the red line. Mm. 
I guess, between Park Street and South it, Station. It lasted a hundred times. In yeah, a they, row. apparently they filmed it like a they did like a hundred trips, or they filmed a hundred takes, or something like that. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like that complicated a shot, but you figure that's a lot of extras. And wow. and uh, they take the train, then they meet on the roof, and that's when the crew comes and throws them off the building. Gotcha. So a bad day all around. He had to take the red line, and then he got thrown off a building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's worse. Yeah, I'd want the second thing to happen before taking the red line, so I don't have to suffer. I don't understand how there's like not a shadow of a doubt in his mind that he was getting tailed. Leo was like, "Are you getting tailed?" And he was like, "Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah." (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. I mean, he has like no reason to think that there is a tail, unless, of course, he remembers that there is a mole in his unit. Yeah, (laughs) you should just always assume there might be a tail. Yep. Yeah, like and do something to lose a tail, like even if you don't have one. He was literally the guy that gave him the idea to tail him. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. How did you guys feel about that scene where it was um, it was like the Matt Damon character flashing back to Martin Sheen telling him like, oh, if you want to get to Leo's character, you have to follow Jack Nicholson. Sorry, I wish I was using the characters names, I, uh, but I don't have them mastered. I thought it was fantastic. I really like. I thought that was like really well done. Where like. I didn't understand exactly where he was going with like asking those questions. And then like, Oh shit, that was a very good idea. Like if you're looking for who his informant is, ask him how he would find your informant. Like, I don't know. I didn't think too much into it when it happened. Did you like the call Maxine Ben? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. We need to hit on. I almost filmed a sequel based on Dignam. Oh, okay. He's just on the run killing people. Um, Who's Dignam again? Wahlberg. Oh, that'd be interesting. I feel like that'd be stupid. Mo Mon- Monahan wanted to cover some socio-political subject matter that he overlooked in the original, like corruption. Monahan's and the screenwriter. Should mention. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, I we know we haven't doing. mentioned it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. what I wanted to say earlier and I forgot to. Uh, <laughs> longtime editor for Martin Scorsese is Thelma Schoonmaker. And she is maybe like the best to ever fucking do it. She's so good. Mm. And um, a lot of the flow of Scorsese movies is down to the editing. And she is wonderful. She has a, a, a really famous quote. Somebody, because she's a woman, so she gets asked a question like this, asks her in an interview. Oh, like, how do you, like, you're just, you're such a nice lady. How do you make all these movies that are like so brutal and have so many murders and stuff? And she said, oh, they're nice before he gives them to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, less important, but today was also employer appreciation day. Oh, I didn't feel it. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a global thing or if that was just at my work, but no, that. it's a global thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, we're all like, well, our bosses didn't tell us shit about that. <laughs> uh, uh, same anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, long, long term relationship with Scorsese. So that's another thing when people say like, he doesn't ever, you know, give roles to women and stuff. It's like, well, his probably main creative collaborators been a woman for like 30 40 years right whatever um i mean know your strengths if he can't write well from a woman's perspective then like why should he just randomly put women into his movies you know i don't know you'd have other sets of complaints of like this was a poorly written woman well that that's what happened with the irishman where uh and people were complaining about like the specific amount of lines that anna paquin has um sorry man i hated that movie Anna Paquin is so good in it and has by far the most pivotal scene in it. Mm. I don't know if you guys heard something. I, I didn't hear anything. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the movie. It's, it's, a, it's great. I don't know anyone who disagrees. Um, 
Yeah, there, there's a great scene where he's talking and he, it's just like a look that Anna Paquin gives him and it's just fucking devastating. Great fucking movie. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, one of the more like crushing, um, just really, I, I don't even have words to describe it, what, what's going on in that movie. Nero's great. Pesci is so good. Um, Pacino's really good. So all that... I guess a good way to say Scorsese's still doing it, still making cool movies. Hmm. Uh, that we all love. That we all love and no one disagrees. What didn't you like about The Irishman? I guess it's fair game to talk about it, Scorsese. I thought it was a drag. It was a really long movie. <laughs> it's really long, There's yeah. a lot of boring scenes. It was just like a bunch of really old guys trying to be like, I feel like they were trying to play like more young gangster types. Yeah. Like weird hair dyes. Uh I don't know. I wasn't really into it. So I was definitely thinking in the beginning of The Departed where it's the scene that's supposed to be in the early 80s or whatever. And Scorsese chooses to have Nicholson in shadow for most of it. Even though you can still kind of see him. And I thought that was a a more elegant solution than CGI de-aging. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like, you can kind of see him. And then not only does it sort of build up like, oh, he finally steps into the light when he delivers the, when you're on the end of the gun, what's the difference line. Yeah. Um, and then the movie starts pretty much mm. plus you're supposed to be earlier. So if you just don't see him that well, you can't tell that he's going to be look the same age 20 years later, or however long it is. Speaking of the, we were talking about the beginning of the movie also before you got here Yeah, in the scene where, uh, Costello's character <laughs> goes to the convenience store type, um, establishment and there's the cashier who's, I don't know, a 40, 50-year-old guy. And then his young daughter is working behind the counter. And Nicholson, or Costello's character, asked the girl, have you had your period yet? Yep. Normal thing to do. What do you think of that scene? Do you think there were sexual implications behind that? Or do you think it was this entire power move? Like, look at like this big, powerful guy. I can treat your daughter this way, and you're not going to do shit about it. Yeah, I think it's that, too, because he says, like, oh... Um She's turning into a fine young woman or whatever. And then he follows it up by asking if she's had her period yet. So that's obviously the implication, but um, it's something sexual. But I think the point is because he's just the king, right? He's like. Now that we're talking about it too, though, like right after that, he whispers something in her ear and she kind of smiles a little bit. So he, I almost feel like he said like something to be like, oh, I'm just fucking with your dad or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like he clearly said something that wasn't as upsetting to her as the first comment. I don't know. Like it could have been anything. It could have been it anything. It could have just been like, I think you're beautiful. And she uh, was like, oh yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there's some it was disgusting though. <laughs> Cause then right after that, he gives the kid a bunch of food and shit. I don't know. Weird. The the thing Weird like, dynamic. I, what, when, what year did this movie come out? 2006. 2006. I feel like if this movie was made this year, it wouldn't make it. No. At all. What do you mean? Uh, so just to like personally, who I am as a person now versus who I was when this movie came out. When the movie came out, I watched the whole thing and I wasn't as like appalled from things. But the second time around, like the whole first like 20 minutes, I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? This is disgusting. Like this person is like, wait, how, how are they saying this and doing this stuff? Like, I don't think they get away with saying homo as much as they did. Or the N-word? Or the N-word. Um, I think that like it, it wouldn't be like especially filmed it. That's why I was thinking it was filmed back. Like it was supposed to be an 80s perspective. But like thinking about it, like, no, people talk like that back in 2006. But, people like, talk like that now. To some extent, yeah. yeah. Depending where you are. 
I think cops still call each other homos, probably. That's fair. That's I mean, fair. half of America. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really buy that this movie wouldn't be made today. There's, there's crazy shit getting made. I don't, I don't time. think it would make it as much. Wait, so what do you mean by make it? Like you, you can't say half the shit they said movie. in this movie and and have it be like treated the way this movie was. I don't like know. what other movie is saying like some of the similar stuff like that and is successful. I will say it was weird to hear the N word coming from Jack Nicholson and the F word that is a gay slur. Like yeah. you don't hear those in movies as much, but nowadays yeah. as you did okay. back then. So sure. I think you there'd be maybe they, maybe nowadays. there'd be some small changes, but yeah, no, I don't think that means the movie wouldn't yeah, work yeah, today, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Working probably isn't fair. It just wouldn't have been made in the same way. I think is probably. Yeah, I just don't think they would have gotten away with it. Yeah, I mean, all these guys suck, though. You're not supposed to think like these are good guys and behavior you should emulate. Still, just because (laughs) it's being like publicly shown, I feel like it wouldn't. It wouldn't. there was even pushback be, on Django, that's and like it saying, was yeah. absolutely necessary for them well, to do that in that's, Django. That's a Tarantino thing. He, he has a long history of putting himself in the movie and saying the N word a bunch, gotcha. seemingly just for fun. Gotcha. I mean, specifically for that movie, though, if you're going to do a movie like that about that period of time, you you yeah. have to. It just wouldn't be authentic. Yeah. It wouldn't be a good portrayal of what happened if you edited all that out. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so in theory, Jack Nicholson's character was 70 in 2006. So that would mean he was born in the 40s. Mm. Or sorry, 30s. So he definitely grew up in some different times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's based on, you know, Whitey Bulger also was uh-huh. an informant. And, well, partially based on Whitey Bulger since it's an adapted movie anyway. There's famously you know, extra races. Yes. Um, and was an FBI informant. Right? It was FBI, right? I know he's an informant. I think it was FBI. Yeah. And... uh I think when, yeah, at the time that this movie came out, they didn't know where he was. Um, he's since been found, put in prison, and was immediately Murder. brutally murdered. Yep. Jack Nicholson? <laughs> Whitey Bulger. I think that was 2013. Yeah, it was definitely after 2006. It wasn't that long ago. I don't know who that is. I just saw in like 10 facts about the movie that yeah. that's who the character is based off of. Uh, Winter Hill Gang in Boston. And I, don't, I don't know the details, so I'm not going to say shit, but he was like the the main, like, really famous Boston gangster was an FBI informant and his handler helped him basically go into hiding. Oh, okay. Um, was the town about that too? About Bulger? There was another movie. No, the town was uh, about Charleston guys, but I'm sure there's some influence there because it's the biggest, you know, uh, gang leader guy in Boston. There was definitely a specific white Bulger movie though. Oh, that was Black Mass. Black Mass. Okay. John, Johnny Depp, everyone's favorite. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the town though, because it was one movie I thought about when watching this movie, and I feel like the town force-fed Boston a little bit more than this movie force-fed Boston. Yeah, I mean it has a climactic shootout at Fenway Park and stuff. Exactly. So, uh, I've actually never seen. I it. mean, there, there the was a cool, lot man. of Boston slash Massachusetts references in this movie, but I feel like the town just had yep. so many that it was. Um, the it, The Departed mostly filmed in New York. Um, obviously the shots of the state house and other major landmarks establishing shots and shit in Boston, but mostly filmed in New York though. It's still got a Massachusetts tax credit. I think the film tax credit in Massachusetts has been stronger since then. And that's why so many movies have actually been filmed in Boston. Mm. Um, but I could be wrong, but I think it was around then that it gets instituted. I don't know. Oh, I think I saw could some of this movie. 
Oh yeah, the town's really good. So that's Affleck. So Damon gets this one. Affleck gets the town. Jeremy Renner's really good in that movie. It's also a good movie, but not nearly to the quality of this one. It's all the I'd probably masks, agree. Right? One time when I was uh, walking home. Oh, I thought you were doing. No, I th- they all wear nun masks, right? Oh, yeah. The yeah. There's yeah. none. I thought you were saying it wasn't as good because of all the masks. <laughs> I didn't hear the nun part. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. There's like none masks in this. There's zero masks. <laughs> none and I masks. needed them. It's like, how many masks? Um, none. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I always think about that. There's a form of Japanese theater called no theater. And you're like, oh, there's no theater in Japan? No, there's no theater. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> Who's on third? Yeah, exactly. So all, all the best Abbott and Costello bits. <laughs> and that from that time they met Frankenstein. Um, fucking, oh shit. I remembered one time I was walking to the T-stop from school and I went by the AMC on Boston Common and they had a red carpet for the town. Uh, the town was about to premiere and there was like a red carpet and shit. I was like, oh shit, is Ben Affleck going to be here? Jeremy Renner, John Hamm, maybe. John Hamm doesn't have anything else to do. Um, I love John Hamm. love John Hamm. And it actually, Mad Men might have been still on TV at that point, but whatever. Um, and it was just Ben Affleck's mom. <laughs> you you probably could have just who, walked on, man. That's who the Guy red carpet was there for. Uh, it was just Ben Affleck's mom attending the uh, Boston Common AMC. So uh, all this month, we're going to end by talking about the movie in terms of uh, the Oscars. I think we probably we probably got about 20 minutes of content in this episode. Oh, man. Um, no, I'm kidding. Probably about an hour and change. Wait, I have one talking point before you do Oh, that. yeah. Go for it. How do you guys feel about the therapist as an actual therapist? Bad. Oh, horrible. Real bad. Horrible. Yeah. She was yeah. just as Real fucked bad. up as everyone else in that I don't movie. think you're supposed to fuck your clients. Oh, well, she transfers him. He wasn't her client. Yeah, Corey. literally, oh, as oh, she said, I'm going to transfer you. He said, then let's go on a date. And she was like, yeah, I'm free right now. Well, yeah, but if you look at it, the only two patients we saw, she, she fucked them both. Damon wasn't a patient, though. He just saw her in the oh, elevator. Okay, I thought he was actually seeing her too. Yeah, okay, never mind. No, but like, still, she just was not a great. She's like, I shouldn't be giving you this prescription. You've seeked a bunch. You've dep- here's two. That's not enough. Here's twenty. She's like, you've met the definition of drug seeking behavior. Here's your drugs. Like, that's not the answer. Well, the, well the, this is she wants that freedom to do all those things. That's why she's not working at a better place, right? This. <laughs> The point's made many times, like, oh, why are you working here? You have all these, like, advanced degrees and shit. You could be doing this somewhere else. She's like, well, sometimes I just got to fuck one of them. I don't know. <laughs> the other thing was... I got to prey on these vulnerable, vulnerable men. So Leo, during the appointment, like, when she wouldn't give him the drugs, she's like, well, then just pres- give me a bottle of alcohol and a gun so I can go home and shoot myself. She should then have on his way out, him. He's like... And then she goes, well, then fucking get then, out of here. And on the way out, he's like... Yeah, what if I went home and fucking did that? What do you think about that? And she was like, uh, all right, here's a prescription for drugs. And then he's like, if I take these, is it enough to kill me? <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. You just, <laughs> just like, yeah, you send him to crisis. He needs to go to crisis. She's like, good one. <laughs> That's two suicide jokes in the last two conversations we've had. With no laughing on his part. <laughs> no. no, just a kind of like maniacal behavior <laughs> to go along with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, she was the worst. Because in her head, she was like, "Yeah, she's not a good therapist." I, I, I love this dude. <laughs> well, yeah, how could you? It's a Leo. I mean, oh, the lo- one last thing too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I love how the the ending was just a big like, what the fuck? Oh shit! What? No! Wow! And then there's just like one little rat just going across the screen. Do you get it? <laughs> 
Yeah, Boston has metaphor? a lot of rats. That's exactly right. He's trying to highlight a big uh, infrastructure problem. I definitely like went to look up because I wanted to understand exactly how the envelope played in, like how she. So I like looked up the end of the departed explained, and I just found a bunch of articles about explaining what the rat meant, and I was just like, "People, are, wow, people need clicks." Wow, <laughs> like I get what the rat meant, people. That's the most obvious part of the movie. <laughs> it was just like this. There wasn't a, even a metaphor here. It was just like they're both rats. I don't know what you. <laughs> I thought it was more humorous than anything. I was like, oh, rat. Yeah, people. People do have over the years kind of dunked on score easy for that shot but i actually um, didn't like that shot either i was, I was yeah people say. are like oh, come on this movie's so good and you end on like I, the I cheesiest was, thing i thought it was comedic Jeez. relief <laughs> i don't think it's supposed to be comedic oh, well, i think i think he's supposed i think he's trying to play a genuine but i mean he's a lot smarter at this than i am so maybe he's not i don't think it's any good but i do think it's like it's a, it's so part of it it's like such a part of it that i'm you know i've seen rats in the state house several times <laughs> That's it, it was fine. I just mice. didn't think it needed any explanation. I can't believe people needed to Google. Like, what did you think? The rat was a secret agent or something? Like, what else do you need the rat here? Kills the, the last rat's dude. a metaphor. <laughs> the rat's gonna report him. Yeah, I didn't even think. Dude, that. kid, I just finished this Boston movie. Some fucking rat shows up at the end. What's that about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good apartment just doesn't exist in real life, unfortunately. So it was just somebody's office they made to look like an apartment, apparently. <laughs> Um, yeah, or it's, I don't know if it's the library. There is like a library and event space that Suffolk has right around that height. Oh, I guess that angle. You could just like set up fake walls and build whatever you want. I think it's, I think it's just the apartment is whatever. And then they have the shot and then the shots just in the background. You know what I mean? Oh, like kind of like cut the two scenes together. Yeah, I think so. Some buildings but, have like produ- I could be wrong. like production wrong. floors where they just set up productions there and have it like pretty empty. Like it's oh. always sunny uses a bunch of those. Gotcha. Especially if you have like a really but... good like uh, shot, you can just. Yeah. They just like have it basically like ready to be built upon, you know, like a, a, a base base. Yeah. Yeah. So Christy and I debated a little bit after we watched the movie. How did you think that Leo's handlers um, what were their feelings towards him? Do you think that they were overly, um, I, I can't, what's the opposite word of cautious? Oh, uh, okay. reckless. 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 Do you think yeah. they were overly reckless with their use of him? Did yeah. They, how much do you think they cared about his safety? Because I felt like they did genuinely care about his safety. And Chrissy felt that they were just so tunnel visioned on getting Costello that they kind of put. Leo safety is secondary. I think I think Queenan was worried about it, but was more concerned with feeling like he was he he really did think he was this close, and he's like, you just got to push through it. I I think towards the end, and like right when he was like he got pushed out of the building, he realized he went too far. But I I think he definitely I think Wahlberg didn't give a shit, and I think Quinn Quinnen whatever he was tunnel visioned, and then like he got like that sobering moment of like, all right, we got to get you out of here, and then it was just too late. See, yeah. I, I don't know. My take is I think that it was more of a bravado on Wahlberg's part. And that I think that he really did care about Leo's safety deep down. I think he was fucking hurt and pissed when he found out that Leo got shot. And that's I think why it tapered. That's an interesting take. Yeah. I, I think, think he, they didn't care at first. And then more like they started caring more and more, like Robbie said. I, I generally agree. But I think Wahlberg really, really should have reached out after Queen and died. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, very surprised there was no contact after that. I, huge, I, huge oversight on his part. I figured Leo next move like after uh damon answered the phone would damon did i fuck that up no damon no, answered no, the phone he would have just went to uh Wahlberg and been like yo what the fuck's going on here this guy just answered quentin's phone you know what i mean yeah 
No, I, it's weird that Leo didn't have a direct contact to Mark Wahlberg that he didn't reach out to immediately. Yeah. He was just like asking to put him on the line. Um, and then especially when he was like, oh, he's gone. I'd have been like, okay, well, I'm going to like, he, he knew where the, the chief detective lived. He probably had an idea where the other guy lived. You know what I mean? So he couldn't have just checked like the white pages. Right. Like, found his home phone number and been like, hey, this is pretty serious. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wahlberg's whole character was like completely driven by emotion. And I feel like he was just completely blind. I, I think he really looked at Quinnen. Uh, what's the character's Queenan. name? Queenan. Queenan. Yeah. Queenan as a mentor type of figure and like a fatherly figure to him, at least on the force. And he was just so hurt by that when he got killed that he probably wasn't really looking at things with a level head. Yeah. He wasn't thinking about um, the best way to continue their mission to get I still would have called them safely well I think too like now that I think about it Leo didn't reach out either because he had already threatened to delete his file and like he probably didn't think this guy gave one single solitary shit about him yeah so that kind of clears that up that's true one thing that we didn't really touch on too much it sets up Queenan as the father figure that uh, Bill doesn't have Um, and obviously much more sets up Nicholson as a kind of father figure to Colin, uh, Matt Damon's character. I don't know if he said Colin more than once or twice. So I should just keep saying Matt Damon. Um, I don't know. It's 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 well done. I think you see the the familial relationship there, and and it's funny, right? As uh, Costello's dying, that's when Matt Damon kind of calls him out on like uh, when he's about to say like you're like a son to me. He's like I'm like a, not a son to you. Well, and then, so I thought it was, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought it was like so cutting when uh, Leo's character was like, and he was recording every bit of you and you know who his lawyer trusted the most after he died? Fucking me. Yeah. And like, that oh, was that just was such so a, good. that was such a good yeah. moment. I'm yes. glad like that came up. For sure. Yeah. A stab in the gut. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because of, because of what Matt Damon tells Costello, um, I don't know why we're, yeah, for Matt, we're going to say full name, Matt Damon every time. Um, he, he thinks that of everyone, he knows that Leo isn't the rat (laughs) out of everyone. He is sure that Leo is not the rat. It was very funny. Yeah. So this whole month will be, you know, coming around to at the end of the episode, talking about the Oscars in relation to this movie. We touched on a little bit earlier, the narratives going into it, but, uh, just, just brass tacks. It gets nominated for five best picture director performance by a supporting actor by, uh, for Wahlberg. Adapted screenplay by William Monaghan and film editing for Thelma Schoonmaker wins all of those besides Wahlberg. So it wins four. That must feel bad. <laughs> I know, right? This is happening two years after Scorsese went up against Clint Eastwood and lost picture and director to Clint Eastwood uh, in 2004, wherein Scorsese had The Aviator and Eastwood had Million Dollar Baby. Oh, great movie. That's one of my favorites of all time, too. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is like a rematch in 2006. Well, for the 2006 season, obviously the ceremony in 2007. We all know that. Um, Scorsese has The Departed. Clint Eastwood has Letters from Iwo Jima, both again nominated for director and picture. But uh, Scorsese takes both in the rematch. Hmm. So yeah, we think maybe DiCaprio didn't want to win a supporting actor before a best actor, so he doesn't campaign. Or the official line is that he didn't want to overshadow his castmates. I don't know. Right, I like don't know. Shit. All right, Robbie. So out of five severed hands, one to five, what do you give this movie? Mm. Four severed hands and a thumb. Nice. Mm. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's, a, it's about a 4.2. <laughs> Maybe 4.25. Thumb's a little 
bigger. And so I figured give it a heavier weight. <laughs> what about you, Pat? Five out of five? Yeah. I mean, the only negative thing I could say is some of the accents were a little cheesy. But other than that, yeah. I, I can't really say a negative word about the movie. I give it a 4.5. What counts as 0.5? Um, probably about yeah, I'd give pointer it a, a thumb. thumb and a pointer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thumb and a pointer. Th- the thumb counts for more. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and the pointer is just so useful that it counts a little bit more. So from all the accents, all the whatever else is going on, I don't know. This movie just is not able to be objectively viewed by me. So yeah, let's do a, let's do a full five digits on this one. Um, full. You give it a five out of five? Sure, yeah. Oh, so I'm so did Pat. No, I, 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 I know, but I didn't, I didn't expect you to give. <laughs> yeah, it like, like I'm saying, I mean, it's just like I like, I like good. Some of the accents are bad. It gives us something to talk about. I don't know. I'm a pretty harsh it's critic, dude. This it. is like literally one of my favorite five movies of all time. No, no, that's why I'm. I knew yeah, you yeah. would say five out of five. It's like your favorite. Yeah, no, movie. I love this, but this movie's so freaking watchable. Oh uh, yeah. man, it's just really dope. Uh, this is a kind of weird year at the Oscars. This is seen, I think in hindsight is a sort of weaker year. They're still only doing five best picture nominees. Wow. Um, that's nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's kind of like, meh. that's going to this year, right? Ben 10, a uh, full 10 this year. First time that they're actually doing 10. They, after the dark Knight didn't get nominated, they expanded it to be up to 10 between five and 10. And this is the first year that they're saying it has to be 10. And I think it's good. It gives you a lot more variety. Mm. This year, the the Departed is probably the correct winner, I would say, but it's not movies that people think about too much anymore, even if they're by some really interesting people. So you got The Departed, which wins also Babel, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. I've uh, never seen Letter uh, Little Miss Sunshine out of those. Five. I saw Little Miss Sunshine and Letters to Iwo Jima. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, it is still... Fucking uh, best director nominees. That's when. Oh yeah, that's this year where Paul Greengrass for United ninety three sneaks in. So Little Miss Sunshine's the one that doesn't get into best director. I think this one. This one's a pretty easy one. No. Yeah, that was almost certainly the one. (laughs) Um, Some of these don't hold up super well. Some of the other wins. Uh, No one gets in for best actress, but that's uh, Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Loses to Helen Mirren in the Queen as the Queen. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know that that should be a Meryl win if we're yeah. Devil Wears Prada is a great come movie. On, come on, oh man, I come love that on. Movie. Uh, no one in this movie's in Best Actor. That's when Forrest Whitaker wins for Last King of Scotland, playing Idi Amin. That was a big upset, though. Who did he win over? Uh, Leo in Blood Diamond, Ryan Gosling in Half Nelson, Peter O'Toole in Venus. And Will Smith in the pursuit of happiness. That's it. That was the Will Smith. Oh, yeah, Will Will Smith transitioning into the "Please give me an Oscar" phase of his career, which perhaps is culminating in just a week or two. Fingers crossed. Where uh, it seems like he's probably going to win the Oscar. So he still hasn't won one. No, that's nope. bullshit. Well, the pursuit of yeah. happiness was really his best shot out of everything in his career. I think. Uh, well, now uh, with King Richard, it seems like he's he, up to now. He's by, he is a runaway favorite at the moment. So, yeah, I think the stuff that Departed wins for probably should have won for. It maybe would have felt weird if Wahlberg wins there, but I think that's the year that people are assuming Eddie Murphy in, Dreams, in Dreamgirls is going to take it. And uh, he doesn't, and he, I think he's still mad. Wait, who won that year? That was when Alan Arkin won for Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you could have had Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls there, and that would have been 
like a career acknowledgement. Yet alas. Other big movies this year, you got Children of Men. Uh, Borat is this year. Pan's Labyrinth is this year and should be in more categories. I've never seen it. Probably Guillermo del Toro's best. I thought it was a Hellboy sequel. <laughs> no, no, no. That'd be Hellboy's Labyrinth. <laughs> you only got Hellboy and you got Hellboy the Golden Army. That's it. Yeah. Then the new one, but the new one's not uh, Guillermo del Toro. No problem. So that brings us to the end of our Departed episode. How's your mother? Uh, what else do we want to make sure we get in at the very end? Should we just like play a bunch of gunshots and go dead? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you you guys die. I, I got to do some quick plugs. You can find us. Oh, on, we're going to have to go three streets over for that. <laughs> <laughs> barely. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at late to the movies underscore pod. That's the number two, not two spelled out. Same deal with the Gmail account. That's late to the movies at gmail.com. You can send Noah lots and lots of emails there. Yeah. You can go to T Public to get our T-shirts, plural, because now there's a new one. It's got Greg's face on it. And uh, this episode's sponsored by Stamps.com. Not really, but if we say it a bunch, maybe they'll sponsor us. Oh, or we'll get a cease and desist and have to close the podcast forever. <laughs> Either way. Or Squarespace, another <laughs> common podcast sponsor. Yeah, it sure, is. they'll sponsor it. Squarespace, hit us up. Yeah. Or we're, we're not VPN. affiliated or sponsored by <laughs> not us. It's, it's just Ben. We're we're here Dude. for the ride, but uh, just send send an email to that email. If you don't want anyone to know you're listening to this podcast, NordVPN <laughs> is for you. If you want Ben to feel like he has international viewers. <laughs> and if you want everybody to know you're listening to this podcast, Internet Explorer is for you. Uh, well, the podcast is coming to the end, but uh, so are we all. Act accordingly. Thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Good to see you, Ben. You too, Pat. No problem, kid. No problem. <laughs>